It's Angie for breakfast on Triple M Southwest, and I'm so glad you're here because, you know, I get overly excited about stuff, and I got overly excited about something a few weeks ago. Um, I had uh, Fiona from Breck and Kim from Manji, who's written this incredible, I'm not sure quite what to call it yet, but it's called The Smallest Stage. We get the premiere first in the Southwest. Let's hone in on that. But it's turned into such an event because the crew very talented crew from Perth Festival, wanted at Perth Festival. So it's become bigger than Ben-Hur. So I thought to really get to the heart of this story, I would invite some more crew to talk to us about it. Matt Edgerton, who's director and co-creator of The Small Stage, and Zoe Atkinson, designer and co-creator. Hello. 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 Thanks for having us, Angie. Yes, I have a habit of getting overly excited about stuff. (laughs) Uh, But you guys are the ones to point me in the right direction. Am I overly excited or is this just very exciting? I think that's the uh, amount of excitement that the project <laughs> I, I think it's an appropriate amount of excitement <laughs> too. Yeah. 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 Well, fantastic. Now, I think, um, you know, whenever you ask creative geniuses to talk about themselves, it gets difficult, especially, you know, when it's not the, the lead actors that you, you get. So, um, Matt, can I get you to talk about Zoe and talk about, like, her place in the West Australian art scene and how incredible it is uh, that she's on board? Absolutely, yeah. Look, uh, Zoe and I met... A little over 20 years ago when we worked on a show and uh, Zoe has worked, that was for, for Perth Festival as well. She has worked on every Perth Festival for the last 21 years designing uh, or, or associate directing um, work for the festival. She's one of Australia's leading designers. Uh, absolutely brilliant. We've worked on, been lucky enough to work on a bunch of projects in the last few years together. When I met her, she had just won the Australian of the Year for the Arts, the Young Australian of the Year. Uh, and she's just gone from strength to strength after that. She's one of the most in-demand designers in the country and it is awesome to be working on this project with her. Now payback, Zoe. It's your time to talk up Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But see, Matt, so you need to know that he actually trained as an actor, so he's got this incredible spring in his voice. (laughs) I'm I'm a designer and I'm sort of trained to be quiet and be backstage. Anyway, okay. So Matt, Matt Edgerton and I met, um, yes, 21 years ago. Um, He was performing in uh, the Mystery and Miracle plays that we did Plain Song for the festival. It was a show fraught with occupational health and safety (laughs) hazards, as things were 21 years ago. A lot of gusto. And and Matt is one of the great gifts, I think, to directing and a great gift for a designer. Um, I think there's an incredible skill that Matt has, born of deep... um, deep respect and understanding of stories that um, I think there's a lot of Shakespeare studies. So Matt has worked with Bell Shakespeare Company, um, toured a lot all around the country, Uh, also worked with Sport for Jove, an amazing ensemble of artists and theatre makers in Sydney, exercising another side of Shakespeare, would you say, Matt? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And we are so incredibly blessed that he is back on our side of the country now and um, and making phenomenal theatre. So in next year's Sydney Festival has a work going over called Black Brass, which was in this year's Perth Festival. Um, and, yeah, what more can I say? That's, that's plenty. Just... <laughs> <laughs> All waxing, right. Waxing lyrical. Anyway. So now we know who Matt and Zoe are. Um, now we can get into the good stuff. So the smallest stage um, is a performance that had its little acorn, its little seed in the Donnelly River uh, from somebody who has never been a, a writer before. <laughs> 
um, accidentally became a writer many moons ago in a very unique way. And basically these guys were all together. Well, you guys tell me. What happened at Donnelly River that was so magical? We met Kim Crotty, who is an incredible artist. And he had this bunch of stories uh, folded in a very particular way that he wanted to make into a theatre show. And slowly through the conversation with Kim, we realised the context for these stories creation. They were stories that he had written to his two boys uh, and illustrated from prison. Uh, He was locked up um, for running a marijuana grow house and um, had written these beautiful stories to keep in touch with his two boys because he was missing them horribly. And so we, he wanted to turn these into a theatre show. And we, we thought, actually, the, the show needs to be about you, Kim, like in the, the context of writing these amazing stories. And so we've been on a journey for a couple of years now, um, turning Kim's story and the story of the stories into a theatre show. And it's, it's been an amazing uh, adventure. And just in case we're giving... Kim the wrong impression here. I know some people would think if, you know, you went to a prison in the UK and it's quite an infamous prison as well that he was in, might think he's a really hardened criminal style and you you couldn't be more wrong. And I think what I love so much about this story is it's really going to break social barriers for a lot of people and look at that stigma of once having been in prison and once your time is over, is it ever really over? I, well, one of the things I fell in love with with Kim's story is it's such a beautiful illustration that, you know, there's there's no such thing as good people and bad people. And we have a lot of um, archetypes in our society. And you look at any Walt Disney film, you've got good characters, bad characters. And actually, the world is not really ever that simple. People are much more complex. And it's lovely to meet someone who is a living example of that. You know, I think we all are living examples, but someone who's put themselves forward and through creativity has expressed so much, this beautiful well of love. And he made a mistake. You know, we, we all make mistakes in life. And and I think that um, atonement's the wrong word because he never did it as an act of atonement, you know. Um, but it, it just the complexity of a, of a soul. Who, mm. Yeah. I just think that's so cool. And I know the world at the moment um, is trying to make us feel like it's very binary. It's this or it's that and there's nothing in between. And so stories like this um, I think are really, really welcomed at the moment because we we all stuff up. And it's really nice to know that everyone's in that boat and that's what theatre, that's what the arts, that's everything, music, you know, your favourite songs, everything comes down to that human condition in one way or another and it just depends how it ends up on stage. So um, it's a it's a beautiful origin story for all of this. Now, how do you take this seedling of an idea that started to sprout in the Donnelly River and then turn it into a performance? That is an excellent question. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> look, the, um, it helps that Kim is a wonderful writer. So he um, has written so much about this experience. So I, I, in the early days, set him a bunch of writing tasks, not knowing 
just how much material would come back and, and the quality of it. It was just just beautiful. There is a novel in this work as well as a theatre show um, that we've been encouraging him to, mm. to, um, to write. Um, but part of it is, is working out, okay, what is the story that you can tell in 60 or 70 minutes of stage time that is dramatically interesting? And one of the things that we found really interesting around the subject matter was the subject of uh, the stories that we tell the kids the things that we, because often we don't talk to kids about prison or, or about drugs or about a lot of these, you know, difficult things. We put them off or we say, oh, well, maybe the school will deal with that or someone else will have that conversation. And we thought, actually, we need to make a theatre show about the stories we tell to children and and the virtue of telling the truth to children, to ha- having those difficult conversations uh, w- with kids. And so that's a, a big element. It sounds very serious. The show is actually um, very playful and very silly and a lot of fun. But it also has that, um, that central thesis of um, the stories we tell kids and, and the virtue of telling them the truth. So that's kind of what we've wrestled with and, and what we've come to as our central idea within the mm. work over the last couple of mm. years. Yeah. And, and it's that thing as a parent is how much of your – how do you talk with your children about the mistakes that you've made? Like being – allowing yourself to be vulnerable to your children and say, look, I'm not perfect and I, I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I'm asking you to believe in me and we're in this ride together. And I think it's, it's actually deeply inspiring to, to see that that relationship between parent and child is strengthened by just the, the vulnerability that's, um, that's offered out there. And if I can say, Kim's two boys, Arlen and Otto, have been part of the creative process and they are such beautiful boys. Mm. You know, they were doing voiceovers for us for some of the animation the, the other day. They're just great, great kids. Well, great young men now. And so there is a really happy ending to the story uh, in terms of the relationship that's been maintained and deepened in the mm. years uh, since the, the, the story is set. I think in talking about uh, this story, The Smaller Stage, uh, it's kind of hard. You, know, you just talked about happy endings and the whole fairy tale thing that we've all grown up with, whether it's the Disney fairy tale or the originals or whatever. I watched a really interesting Netflix thing the other day called Fairy Tales Explained. Have you guys mm. seen that? No. I haven't. No. I think you'll find it really interesting. Um, I watched it just the other day and it was talking about how um, – when Disney was able to do what he did, which was incredible, but it sort of brought in so many different cultures, versions of Cinderella's. Like there was Cinderella in Japan who was uniquely Japanese and there was Russian Cinderella's and there was Cinderella's everywhere. But because, you know, film is so powerful, mm. we ended up with this, this, you know, Caucasian Cinderella story, which we all know and love. And it's been, you know, replicated everywhere. Um, but this whole idea about what fairy tales used to be and then what they have become and quite often in the retellings, like the Brothers Grimm versions of stuff, initially were very, very grim and kids really, like, it was appropriate to tell stories about blood and gore and consequences and all that sort of stuff. But they even had to soften and then it's, it's you know, shaved the edges off those realities more and more and more. And now we've got these, like, kind of shiny fairy tales where everything ends up in a neat little bow, but they didn't used to be like that. And I was just wondering, maybe you guys think that, you know, humanity, given that where we are and, you know, things are a lot easier than they used to be back in the day and the, for 
not for everyone, but for a lot of people, the day-to-day struggle isn't quite as intense. So are we gravitating back towards grittier and grittier things with those moral compasses included rather than the shiny versions of fairy tales? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big question, isn't that it? That is it, a it, huge it, question. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. Exactly. It's like a, I need another coffee question. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. But it's a, it's a really good one. And it's, um, you know, because the original Red Riding Hood is a great example that was written in the 16th century by Charles Perrault. And that's all, that's actually all about a girl getting her period. You oh, know, and, really? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really visceral and it's about, and, you know, there's all these theses on it where, it, you know, Angela Carter, this, she's a great writer from oh, a while back now, but, you know, it's, it, that was about burgeoning female desire and how it needed to have a lid put on it. And, you know, there's all these moral things that those things have changed over time, but we've kept this simple idea of a wolf and a girl and the red cloak and what that means, the symbolism of them is enormous. What one thing, just going back to Kim's stories that he wrote for his kids, um, one of the things that's so beautiful about them is that all of his heroes have serious flaws and all of his monsters have lovable aspects. Mm. And that's that's what there is to love in the children. The Chocosaurus. (laughs) I already love the Chocosaurus. (laughs) A beautifully flawed character. (laughs) Yeah. And the the yeah the heroes um, solve their problems, I think almost without exception, without resort to violence. Yeah. So it's all about um, yeah using your mind and and not you know it really interesting the context of this written from prison, which you know is not uh, without its violent elements, um, but these beautiful stories about, um, solving problems with your mind and with kindness and with love. So there's a, the, running through Kim's stories is this, um, great thread of, um, humane behavior and compassion and kindness, uh, mm. which is one of the things that really drew me to them. Amazing. Mm. We've got well off track. Um, so just bringing us back a little bit. Um, this show is very unique. I mean, I, I'm sure in the theatre world um, there are performances that do get you involved to this point, not just like sort of magician performance and things like that, but theatre performance. But I've never seen it. So for me, this is an absolute first because you can buy an interactive ticket um, as long as you're with a child and that gives you access to be on stage. That is correct. Yeah, we have a special set of tickets uh, with child and parent partners. So, uh, yeah, parent and child can um, come together and they will be part of the show. They'll be given very simple, um, enjoyable instructions to follow um, and they'll be part of the stage action. And in some ways, I guess we don't want to give too much away about what that looks like. Um, but they will be on stage and interacting with the, the main actor, Ben, throughout. Um, yeah, but it'll be very simple, very easy. There's no acting experience required. Um, and, and, and hopefully really enjoyable for the rest of the audience to watch because the majority of the audience won't be those interactive tickets, but they get to see uh, in a story that is all about the relationship between parents and children, real parents and children interacting with the material. Ooh. And, and what is it? for you guys to be part of a show that brings in that engagement? Like, does that just take it to a next level when you have to think about it all? 
I well, I think I think the that what theatre does is give live experiences. Like theatre is is never complete until an audience is in front of it, and so it's about that relationship. and And I'm deeply excited by work that has that at its front and centre. And I actually just to wax lyrical about Matt again for a moment. I think that is a distinctive skill with Matt is that um, understanding of you know the relationship between an actor and an audience and and but with with the just to jump in on child adult participants and and to reiterate that it's not threatening and it's not acting because <laughs> I'm not an actor and I'm deeply threatened by um in, in you know audience participation but this this is a quite a unique experience because those participants have headphones on and they're actually it's not even like being on stage it's like being within your own small bubble or world and and so the sense for the other people in the audience is this of watching people who are not aware of even being observed it's really quite it's very very special so now you understand why I've had such difficulty communicating why the smaller stage is so cool. You know, we've got the experts in, the directors and the designers, and, you know, it's at the moment to me it feels like quite whimsical and abstract and I cannot wait to be in the audience and see it all come together. And I don't know if you picked up my brag before, but Perth Festival isn't getting this first. The debut is actually going to be in the southwest, which, again, um, uh, it might not mean a lot to a lot of people, but it, it's really cool because it just shows um, the capability and the talent of people in the Southwest and what Fiona Abrek is actually trying to achieve with, you know, you guys who are the top of your game in the country um, being involved with projects that, you know, exist here. It's kind of the holy grail around the country is finding uh, great stories that are not from the capital cities. Every theatre company is trying to do it. Um, so to come across an artist like Kim Crotty with this amazing story and this talent, like he is a really gifted writer and um, such a wonderful collaborator. And to be able to tell this story that is um, about an artist from the regions is is wonderful. Like every, every theatre company wants to be able to do this. Um, and so we feel very, very fortunate to be able to be here. And, and triply fortunate that there exists break because I think that's another part of the dream is actually being able to sequester yourself in an environment. Like some of the best artist residencies in the world happen in, in places away from big cities. And I think being able to come down here and be in residence and working and immerse yourself in the work, I think it's a it's a visionary thing actually that Breck is doing is setting itself up with a model to produce and be a magnet for artists from around the country, which at the end of the day is going to create a richer soil for artists here and artists in the southwest. I think it's such a such a golden situation. Matt Edgerton, Zoe Atkinson. I cannot, but thank you for sharing so much of your time with me this morning. And um, I just, I can't wait to see what you guys are making. Thanks, Angie. <laughs> thank Thanks so much Angie. for having us. Thanks.